Don't you just want to clap for the Lord? Let's do that. Man. Oh, good. So what are your family traditions at Christmas? Well, don't all shout them out. That's a rhetorical question. But what are your family traditions at Christmas? I can guess one of them. Going to church on Christmas Eve. And that, that's a good tradition. We all have similar traditions and maybe unique traditions to our families. Maybe you have a, a favorite dish that you like to cook or you want to make sure your grandmother cooks. Um, you know, I, I just remember our tradition was my Greek grandmother would always send us kurubiedas in the mail. And that probably doesn't mean too much to us. Someone knows, yeah. So we always got kudavietas, and those were, uh, they kind of looked like Russian tea cookies, I guess, but they didn't taste like that. But they were great, and that was our tradition. But as far as that, we didn't really celebrate Christmas as Greeks. And I discovered later that Greeks don't really emphasize Christmas. They emphasize Easter, and Christmas is not a big commercial holiday. So our family celebrated from the tradition of my mom's side, and my mom's side was German. And I was glad we did, because... We celebrated Christmas Eve, and we got to open our presents on Christmas Eve, and I've been interviewing real Germans, right? And I understand that is a German tradition. You get to open your presents on Christmas Eve, and we went to church on Christmas Eve, and I, I just loved it. And, and then after church, we opened more presents on Christmas Eve, and I don't know if that's German. And some of my German friends, we didn't do this, but uh, they would have a beautiful evergreen tree, and they would have lit candles on the tree. And that was just absolutely spectacular and terribly frightening, you know. <laughs> we didn't do that, but we'd get together with other German relatives, and, and they apparently knew German, and we'd sing a song, a Christmas song, O Tannenbaum, you know, and I had no idea what that meant. I thought it was a ton of bombs, you know, and I didn't know why we were singing that. And so I thought before I preached tonight, I should look up what that means, and I looked at the words, it means O Christmas tree. Well, that got my attention, and I looked at the words, I go, oh my goodness. So we're sitting around, standing around a Christmas tree, giving praise to a Christmas tree at Christmas. That, that seems a bit odd to me, but there are a lot of traditions, and, and you have your family traditions, and we had some, and it got me thinking, what about that first Christmas Eve? What, what did they do? What was it like? And I was thinking, well, it was anything but relaxing, it was anything but peaceful and celebratory for Joseph and Mary. I mean, Mary was likely screaming with labor pains on Christmas Eve, and Joseph was frantically running around, first-time dad, and someone probably told him to boil water, you know, so he's trying to boil water, and, and then they go, well, disinfect the feeding trough, you know, and he's trying to figure out how to do that, and maybe he's looking for a midwife, or he's shooing away animals, but I'm sure it was anything but peaceful and relaxing. There were no Christmas carols, there were no presents, no Christmas tree, of course. And Mary and Joseph, let's face it, they would have been really tired, and if they're like me, and maybe like you, they would have been a bit cranky. I mean, they've just traveled for three days on foot. Now, maybe there was a donkey, I saw it on the Christmas card, so it must be true, but this, <laughs> the scriptures don't say there was a donkey, and she's nine months pregnant, and they get there, and you've been there. Traveling across country, late at night, you see a hotel, no vacancy. Grr. Then you go to the next hotel, no vacancy. Grr. You know, and you go from hotel to hotel, no vacancy. There was no vacancy. If they weren't irritable before, they certainly would have been irritable by now on Christmas Eve. They must have been tired for looking for a place to stay, tired of the crowds, tired of being awake all night with labor pains and screaming 
and tired of trying to explain to people how they'd been married less than nine months and were having a baby. No presents, no hot chocolate, no church services, no Christmas cards, just life in the raw. Pain, frustrations, hardships, strained bodies, strained nerves, strained relationships. I love Christmas Eve. But Mary and Joseph, mm, maybe not so much. And you know, Christmas Eve is joyful for some. It's not joyful for everyone. For some, the tradition is pain and hassles and frustrations and hardship and strained relationships. And maybe that's one of the beauties of Christmas. That first Christmas Eve, we have reality and the mundane. Coupled with regality... And the miraculous. Of all the methods God could have used to introduce himself to us, he chose a really peculiar one. He chose the humblest of methods. God had every possible method and perhaps every impossible method available to him as an option of how he was going to present himself to you and me. And the one he chose is the one we celebrate tonight. And Christmas Eve, God becoming a baby. You've heard it before, but think about it as if you've heard it for the first time. God becoming a baby. Luke puts it this way, and it came about that while Mary and Joseph were there, the days were completed for Mary to give birth and Mary gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in claws and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. In eternity past, when God revealed to the angelic host his plan of God becoming a baby, they must have gasped in unbelief. God Becoming a baby? I mean, they had seen his glory face to face. They had beheld his power and saw him create the universe. They had served him willingly and gladly, fulfilling his every bidding. They were in total awe of God. And to hear that God was planning to become a baby must have been shocking to the host of heaven. Because babies are fragile, delicate, helpless, needy creatures. Babies are humble and they're cute. And they're messy and noisy and dependent. Babies are a risk and a challenge and a blessing. So God became a baby. And in that same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. People are frightened of angels, but not of babies, normally. <laughs> and the angel said to them, do not be afraid, there's a baby. <laughs> for today in the city of David, there has been born for you 
a baby, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby. God became a baby. He became touchable. He became adorable. He became huggable. He became approachable. He became lovable. Cuddly and cute. You've all experienced how when a baby enters a room, unless, of course, it's screaming, but it's a quiet baby, the mood in the room changes. Well, I guess it changes if it's screaming too, but if it's not screaming, <laughs> voices get softer. Words get simpler. Touches get gentler. Most people are not threatened by a baby. And God became a baby. I wonder what it was like for the Holy Trinity in the eternity past. I mean, who came up with the idea? Was it the Father looking over at Jesus? <laughs> I got an idea. <laughs> or was it Jesus saying, hey, I have this idea. I know it's a little strange, but Dad, what do you think? Or was it the Holy Spirit? <laughs> I have an idea for you too. <laughs> I don't know how it works, the Holy Trinity, but somehow the Holy Trinity convened and they said, yes, God will become a baby. Jesus will be a baby. What a risk. What a condescension. What a plan. What a sacrifice. What a love. The holy needing a diaper change. The omnipotent, unable to walk on his own. The omnipresent, bound in claws and confined to a feeding trough. The omniscient, speaking baby talk. Why on earth would God do such a thing? What could possibly have motivated God to become a baby? To save you. And to save me. No one ever has or ever will love you more. No one ever has or ever will do more for you. No one ever has or ever will sacrifice the way that God has sacrificed for you. No one. Christmas is not always fun and games. It's not always presents and parties and family and feasting and laughter and joy. For many people, Christmas is like that first Christmas for Joseph and Mary. It was stressful. It was painful. It was financially pressing. It was emotionally exhausting. But it's also the way that God chose to show his love for you and for me. And to make himself approachable. God became a baby because that was the best way for him to demonstrate how much he cares for you. But of course, Jesus didn't stay a baby. Because he didn't come to be babied. He came to give his life to take away your sins and to take away mine. And at Christmas, 
the only present that really matters is a present that often goes unopened. It's a gift of eternal life that Jesus says, I became a baby, but I'm giving you a present because I want to save you, and that's the present of eternal life. Have you opened it? And you open it by asking Jesus to come into your life. Would you pray with me? I'd like you to have a private moment if you wouldn't mind closing your eyes but still listening. Jesus has a Christmas gift for each one of us. It's a gift of eternal life. That's why he came. If you've never opened that gift, if you've never received Christ as your Savior, he's waiting for you to open that gift. And you can open it in prayer between him and you. Say something like, Lord Jesus, today I accept the gift of eternal life. I believe that you died for my sins. I believe you rose from the grave and conquered death. I want you in my life. I accept your love. And I'd like to return that love back to you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We love you. Amen.